Jen, as a mother, how did you deal with when uh, someone when your son would lie to you? He rarely lied. Really? Yeah, he what? knew better. What would happen if he lied? Well, the funny thing is, is he did lie twice. In his whole life? Well, I guess that I know of. To me, um, the one was... I know of, all right. Yeah, that I know I, I, of. You know of, right. And the funny thing is, is that he got caught both times. Okay, what did you lie about? Um, I went to Mexico with a friend. Yeah. And he swears up and down he didn't have a party, but then some of the people from his party called me. Oh, Isn't so his that funny? friends shopped him out. <laughs> his friends shopped him out. Mm-hmm, totally. All right. Just checking. Yeah. Uh, and then what was the other time? <sighs> I just, he's, it was his schoolwork. He had lied about doing an assignment and then yeah. I found out that he didn't do it. Uh, what happens when a PR person lies to you? <laughs> <laughs> and you catch him. You know, to each their own, you have to be the bigger person, Nick. <laughs> so what do you do? How do you deal with it? Just let them know passively that you caught them, but don't call them out? try not to call them out just like people in general i try not to uh rock the boat i know i know what they're like and then i don't trust them very much we caught a pr person lying to us from an auto industry is that is that a surprise i'm not gonna out them (laughs) jen's panicking everybody's faces (laughs) drop all right well so listen here's the deal go listen to today's podcast and see if you can work out which pr person lied to us yeah it's not obvious. No, it's not, actually. It's not. But, you know. Something's missing in the show. See if you can work it out. Yeah, it's a trust thing. We'll see if we have him on the air again. What do you do to Stephen when he used to lie to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. One time when he was like, I think the worst I've ever punished him is I took everything out of his room except his blanket. And his pillow. He got and bread mattress. and water was chained to the wall for a week? No, I just took everything out of his room. Like what? Everything. Like what? Like everything. everything. Bookshelf, toys, everything. A mattress. Yes. Until he started, his grades got better and he got something back. Oh, dude. You're a hardcore mom. I did, that was the only way to punish him. How are you going to punish this PR person for lying to you? Like I said, I probably won't promote them very much. <laughs> All, right. All right. Everybody's sweating bullets. I'm going to name them. See if you can work it out. Here's the, here's the latest episode of Our Auto Expert. This, this is the Our Auto Expert podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. 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 Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert, Our Auto Expert, Nick Miles. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smart speaker, on smartphone. This is Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. It's been a very interesting week in the automotive sector. News that Ford looking to open their factories mid-month. Is it actually going to happen? They're at least cleaning them and redesigning how the factories work to make sure those uh, people who are working inside the factories stay safe and also get back to work. It's a big deal for most Americans to get back to work. Everybody's tired of the coronavirus. So looking forward to seeing factories open. But will those cars sell? That's the difficulty. J.D. Power & Associates had a report this week looking at the auto industry 
And for some cities, it's really bad. Pittsburgh, probably the worst in the country, down around 99% for certain weeks. Cars just not selling at all. But some places like Salt Lake City only saw a blip somewhere in the teens in some weeks of car sales. What's hot? What's not? Well, of course, those three big vehicles that are hot all the time are still hot during coronavirus. The Ford F-150, the Ram 1500, and the Silverado from Chevrolet are still the biggest sellers in the United States. Now, some vehicles have dropped off the map, selling hardly any at all, but others, one in particular, has seen an increase. Hyundai, with their Tucson, is the only vehicle I could find which is selling more than it did before the COVID pandemic set in. They have sold a plus 7% of the Hyundai Tucsons. That's because they're offering such great deals with deferred payments and great financing. A lot going on in the auto industry. Today on the show, we're going to touch on what I've been driving this week. I've been teaching my uh, adopted son to drive <laughs> a shift stick. It's, it's a stick shift. marginally frightening. More frightening for the car than I think it is for me. Did smell the clutch once or twice, but I have to say Michael did pretty well. Mm-hmm. He did pretty well. He, uh, he asked a lot of questions, which... Uh, he's one of those kids that just asks. If he doesn't get it, he goes, how does this work? How does that work? And you know what? I thought I was a good teacher. I thought I would be able to. But then he's asking questions like, so when I ca- he asked me what I do when I come to a stop. What's the sequence? I said, well, you just push the clutch in, and, and then it doesn't stall out. He goes, what about the brake? <laughs> I was like, well, that's a given. If you don't touch the brake, you just roll across the intersection. Uh, and I taught him to drive in probably one of the sportiest cars available on the market. I specifically asked for a manual. I say teach him to drive. If he knows how to drive, he has a VW Passat, uh, which the lease is up this year and in, in, in December. And we've already got into deep discussions about uh, what we're going to replace it with. But uh, there, we've been teaching him the Hyundai Veloster N, uh, the standard uh, starts around 27400 We actually have been driving the performance package, which is just under $30,000. He's very excited about this. He's decided he doesn't want a Mustang anymore. Well, he doesn't really want a manual because it's... Because it's too complicated? No, he, he did. You know what? We drove around the block about five times. Mm-hmm. When we got around the block, um, he, you know, let's say the fifth or sixth time, he was kind of getting it. There was a few little drift into intersections. I mean, it's a it's a right. residential street, right? So there's no one in intersections. There was a few little drifting into intersections before. And only at the very end did I smell the clutch. Because he, the way I drive, uh, <coughs> I drive like a race car driver a lot of times. So I'll throw the car from first to second. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw it from, from third to fourth. Like I mean, just a really hard pull. Because the quicker you can get the gears changed, right. the faster you can go, right? That's and so not he, good for teaching somebody. He tried to do it. Um, and, yeah, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> there was no crunching of gears. He did uh, – you know what was interesting, though? He did – I did have to explain to him several times not to – you know, how the pattern worked. First is upper left-hand right. corner. Second is lower left-hand corner. Third and fourth in the middle and fifth and sixth on the right. And then the rever- he was worrying, worried about going into reverse. I said, you can't go into reverse unless you pull up the ring on the shifter. And he was like, oh, oh, great. I'm not worried about it. Then he kept going into reverse. I said, what are you doing? He was pulling up the ring on the shifter. I was like, you have just made this the most complicated thing ever. 
It was great. You've driven this car, haven't you? Yes, I love it. And you make Lori from uh, Hyundai throw up? <laughs> no, I just maybe a little. Made her a little nauseous. You said she was, uh, when you were driving this at the Northwest Automotive Press Association's Run to the Sun. Yeah, so I have... She was like, Boo! No, I <laughs> it's a It's a small linkage system compared to the... Small throws, yeah. Yeah, compared to my Camaro, which is, you know... And I have the... Sports, a longer shift. The sport shifter, too. So I can go first to fourth. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I guess you can do that in a lot of cars. Yeah. Well, it will well, force. It the, forces. The sport, yeah, it forces yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah. If the revs are wrong. Right. This doesn't do that. Yeah, I know. So anyways, um, I, I had to get used to it. Lori did, too, apparently. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So let's talk about a little bit about what's on the show. Uh, coming up on the show today, it's packed. I mean, we really do have a lot to get through. I don't know if we're going to get through it all. We will. Uh, we're going to be actually uh, spend some time. We're back talking about the vehicles, uh, of course, we've driven this week. Uh, and then also, Marcus Frommer, the corporate communications manager from Honda, going to be telling us about the fact that they're getting into the ventilator game with Dynaflow. Dominic Infante, director of communications of Subaru. Uh, the Outback has won the Good Housekeeping Awards. Uh, Jen just choking on her coffee. She had to leave the studio. Uh, it couldn't happen to, you know, like Jen, if you knew how to drive a shift, it would never have happened. Award. Oh, you do. Sorry. Uh, a good housekeeping award two years in a row for the uh, Subaru Outback. Uh, have you uh, used the clay bar before? I have to hear about this from Jen all the time. Uh, Jim Dovarak, the public relations and technical support uh, with mothers is going to come on and tell us what a clay bar is. Jen keeps telling me all the time. It's exciting. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. She was doing a, uh, what were you doing? A cheer before we started? I did. Trying to get everyone in, in the, uh, in the, in the show in the mood, ready to mm-hmm. go. Uh, we're also going to talk about the new Audi e-tron, which I haven't got to drive yet, which is a, a national travesty. I'm surprised. I know, right? Uh, and also the Buick Enclave. Um, I, I can say this because I'm sure they won't get into trouble, but the, the guy that came and dropped the Buick Enclave off to the studio so we could drive it... Um, Saw the Hyundai Veloster N in there, and that's all he wanted to talk about. In fact, he was almost crying because he was so in love. Well, it's a cute car. Yeah, it really is. Cute car for me. Cute, mm-hmm. cute for cute. I love the seats. All that's coming up on our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles. Stand by. Here we go. You're listening to our Auto Expert. This is our Royal Expert Radio Show. It's uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us or ask us a question. Just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the auto industry is doing to respond to coronavirus uh, for delivering masks and now starting to work with the U.S. military in making sure that they can get all the masks they need for those serving on the front lines. Also, people making ventilators, uh, a Lamborghini and Ferrari working in the industry, and as well as Honda's Marysville, Ohio plant announcing the start of production and delivery uh, for its key components to get into Dynaflow's medical ventilators. It's uh, a big change for somebody who pumps out some of the best vehicles around the country to actually start making medical equipment but that's what the country needs we need to get on board and do it and so those companies that can are responding the right way joining us on the phone is marcus frommer he is uh, one of the guys who is in charge of telling us about this so first of all let me ask you this marcus uh we got a note here from davis adams one of your pr guys it's be be nice to you was he worried that we were going to beat you up? 
<laughs> he was afraid that I was gonna be mean. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I hope I can do a, uh, as good a job as Davis, uh, my colleague here at Honda. He's a great guy, and uh, yeah, if, you, if you're mean to me, I'll try not to cry. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I'm a nice guy. It's Jen that could be mean. She, she's she's some, she's sometimes difficult to deal with. So you've changed the Marysville plant around to making parts for ventilators. Sounds like a, a nightmare of a project. Yeah, I don't know if it's a nightmare, but it certainly has been a, a challenge. Uh, we have uh, transformed a 6,000-square-foot area of our technical development center in uh, Marysville into a space where our associates can assemble uh, compressor parts. It came together very quickly. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dynaflow is a company that produces the compressor, which is the critical component inside a portable ventilator. Uh, and uh, we got together with them and started talking and quickly started uh, uh, producing these. Now, did Dynaflow make car parts as well? Is that how you had the relationship with them or um, we- just picked them out of a hat? Well, they do not make uh, car parts. They uh, make uh, their bread and butter is really compressors, right. and, and they happen to make compressors for a ventilator company. Now, uh, they were making compressors at the rate of about 75 per week. Right. And when they got the call from uh, the ventilator maker, they were told that they wanted to ramp that up to 10000 a month. <laughs> so 75 a week to 10000 a month, it's a big jump. And it's a pretty small company by, uh, by, uh, by their own admission, and they needed help. So there is an interesting group called Stop the Spread. It's a coalition of uh, CEOs uh, around the country who have come together um, to see how they can connect different companies uh, to join in the effort to, to meet the needs of the, uh, of the, of the country during uh, uh, this, this pandemic. And so they uh, put us together with Dynaflow. They thought that might be a good match, and it has turned out to be a good match. And we quickly worked with the Dynaflow team to understand their processes, and we uh, started uh, uh, producing them. So 75 a week to 10000 a month, it's a big jump, but, but we are doing it. Um, so that's the target, and you're going to meet the target, or uh, it's still in question, or you're at least trying to get there, right? We, we will gradually ramp up, so it takes a little while to get production up to full speed, but that is our, our, uh, our goal right now for May, and for the coming months is 10000 per month. Now, as a whole, Honda's probably pretty much uh, like any other automaker, is, is shut down, is not doing anything. Um, is, is, there, is this these, those people that would have stayed at home? You know who are doing Probably this? Some of them would would have would have been at home. Um, we do have some uh, essential uh, work, uh, associates still working, but yeah, probably um, this group is really a, a highly skilled um, group that that we've assembled, and so uh, we're glad to have them uh, working on this project. Are you going to open back up with the rest of the car, the automakers aiming for around mid May, or do you think it's going to be a little longer for Honda? No, I think that's that's right, and uh, we all recognize that it will be a uh, slow and gradual process of reopening, uh, getting started up, of ensuring social distancing um, as we start production again. There are some still some challenges, but uh, yeah, we're 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 in line with with the rest of the industry there.
Now, will the ventilator part production for the compressors for Dyna, uh, Dynaflow, will that still continue as long as they need that help? Or is, have you set a time limit on what you're able to do? Because obviously, Honda, world famous for making uh, engines and cars and SUVs and trucks. Um, it, obviously, that's your primary business and you want to get your workforce back to making those on the factory floors again. But the ventilators are still needed. So what kind of balancing act are you anticipating? Well, the area that we are using in the Technical Development Center in Marysville uh, is separate from our main uh, production lines. This is really where we do a lot of the training of our, of our technicians and for uh, those processes that associates will encounter on our production lines. So uh, we will suspend our training, of course, uh, uh, in this area of the Technical Development Center, uh, but it is separate from our main production facilities. In terms of how long we intend to do this, uh, right now we're, we're, we're committed through the end of August uh, to, to produce the ventilators, and, and we'll, you know, we'll reassess and see, see what the need is uh, when the time comes. Okay, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I also wanted to talk about how you guys gave away the Honda Odysseys to the city of Detroit. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I would just say overall, we're, we're always looking for ways to use our technology to make people's lives better. And that's certainly no different during the pandemic. And uh, we, uh, our colleagues in Japan had uh, told us about a project they were working on to modify a step wagon. That's basically the Japanese cousin of our uh, Odyssey minivan. And uh, they were uh, retrofitting these with a plastic barrier to uh, safeguard the health of the transport driver uh, when transporting patients uh, potentially infected with COVID-19. Uh, this news was reported uh, widely outside of Japan in the U.S. media, and because of that, uh, the city of Detroit contacted us and said, hey, we saw this news. Do you think you could do something like that here in the U.S.? And we jumped at the opportunity to help because we want to help. And within two weeks, we took this design, we modified it, and we delivered the 10 Odysseys. And it's a really interesting design. I can tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, so uh, again, the, the, the goal is to protect the health of the driver uh, while transporting uh, poten potentially infected uh, patients in the back. Um, and, you know, if you, if you think about it from the driver's perspective, you're there all day in the van transporting people. You probably want to, you know, make sure your own health is taken care of. So right. we put in a plastic barrier, a plastic polycarbonate barrier behind the front seating positions in the minivan um, to seal the front of the of the minivan. Then we changed the ventilation system um, to ensure that the pressure, the air pressure in the uh, front cabin was higher than the back cabin. The reason for that is that if you have a difference in pressure, uh, it's not possible really for the um, virus oh, to, cross. to move into the front area of the van. Yeah. This is a, an idea that comes from um, hospital rooms. There's some specialized hospital rooms that are negative. They call it negative pressure. That's yeah. kind of a fancy Very word. Familiar. But basically yeah. it means that you know the, you, this pressure differential is yeah. used to 
to minimize the possibility for viral infection. That's awesome. Well, listen, thank you for making ventilator parts. Thank you for uh, helping the city of Detroit get people uh, around in your Odyssey minivans. Uh, Marcus Frommer is a corporate communications at Honda. Uh, they are hoping to go back to work soon, but right now supporting everybody with COVID-19, uh, building parts for the compressors that go inside ventilators and moving people around safely. Uh, in Detroit with their Odyssey minivans. More to come up. Jen says I'm going to pick on her next. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Are we still calling you Jennifer? I don't know. She wanted to be Jennifer for a while. I am Jennifer. It's like having a teenager. Your smart speaker can be your radio. (laughs) Just say, hey, Google. Hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, uh, play our Auto Expert radio show. And all previous episodes of the show are available on podcast. Hours of endless fun awaits you while you're in quarantine or you're in, you know, lockdown. You could be listening to three million episodes of this show. I'm not that many. I'm exaggerating. I'm Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert radio show where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, Jen's in charge of the podcast. You said uh, we moved up the rankings by about 40, point, 40 we places. We did. I was so excited. We were like 139 and now we're 82. Of radio shows in the country. That's good. Yeah, 82. Yeah. All right. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it is exciting. <laughs> and I want you to, I, I <laughs> That want, means that that many people listen to you. Pick on me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, uh, I need you to get us to number uh, in the top 10 by next week. Mm. Right. Go work on that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's eyes just got really wide in the studio. It's like, <laughs> I must be a horrible boss because they were like, oh, no, he's ranting about stuff again. Um, you know what we should do is we should find out who else is involved in the auto industry and stop the spread. That's and, what I was wondering. How do you sabotage them, though? What? <laughs> oh, you're talking about shows. I'm talking about people that are helping COVID-19. Oh, I was talking about the show. Sorry. <laughs> How do you sabotage them? <laughs> Oh, you scare me a well, little bit now. You want me to be top 10 or us to be top 10? What were 10? you telling me that, that BMW won't return your phone calls no, now? No, Is it won't. because you said that their uh, X5 like looks a like a cow? <laughs> and then what did you say about the two series that I had? Oh, it's cheap. The interior oh, looked cheap. Yeah, Jen knows. She, you, might, you might know one or two things about trucks. You don't know anything so about cars. So I might have to have you contact Marcella for me. <laughs> BMW? <laughs> have you burned that bridge? I guess I did. Uh, hi, it's Jennifer, the one that said your X5 looks like a cow. Well, Could we get you on the radio show? I didn't show? send her a copy, so she wouldn't listen. You got water delivered to you. Oh, that was sweet. Jordan's being nice Thank to you, you Jordan. Um you should see his eyes open up when I said, I want you to get us in the top 10 by next week. He was like, oh. Yeah, yeah I know. He's like, great. Great. Yeah. Good luck, Jen. I, I was going to say something really mean, but then I didn't say it because I'm nice. Hey, um, <laughs> what? You're really uh, nice. You uh, are really nice when you want to be. <laughs> yeah, I never want to be. Um, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to get uh, somebody from uh, Mother's On because Mother's Day. I know. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it might be a little late for some listeners. Mother's Day. Yeah, It'll be but, after Mother's Day. You should have done it two weeks ago. But it all started with... Next time, do it two weeks in advance, please. But it all started with <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows how to use a clay bar. Oh, every every t- I talk to, they're like... But well, hear about this clay bar one more time for I you. love it. And the people that use it will understand. How does it, it looks like marzipan. Does it taste of marzipan? I have never tried it. It looks like Play-Doh. You have put it in your mouth. No, before. I have not. Yes, you have. No. Um, no. You've put play. You put clay bar in your mouth. No. It's probably toxic. 
You shouldn't oh do that. God. Don't do it. Don't put it in your mouth anymore, Jen. Just don't. Please don't look at me like I'm going to. Just don't put it in your mouth anymore. Um, so I don't even know how to respond to that <laughs> one. <laughs> so BMW are, are uh, not calling you back? No. And what are we going to do about it? I'll keep with the motorcycles, apparently, because... Uh, <laughs> well, the motorcycle guy's talking to you. I know, Vincent, yeah. I still haven't seen the R18, though. Well, give it some time. I don't even think it's out yet, Nick. All right. Summer. Things are falling apart. You know, like co it's hard enough to operate this radio show um, with COVID going on. Just they're falling apart. I have no motorcycle in my driveway. Mm. You haven't tasted the clay bar. I'm never going to taste clay bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to clay bar coming up. I'm also going to talk to Dominic Infante from Subaru. Uh, the Outback one itself, a big old prize. Uh, two years last, in a row. Yeah, two years in a row. We're going to talk about uh, why the Outback. You know, if I, when I see more Outbacks than any other vehicles, when I go up to the hills, to the ski areas, mm -hmm. not, I ski, but not that often. And when I go up to the ski areas... Every car is an Outback. Well, It's like Outback, 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 something else. Outback, Outback, Outback. Well, and they usually have the Winterfest here, too, but it got canceled this year thanks to COVID. Yeah, thanks for reminding us about COVID-19. Yeah. Um, so Dominic Infante is going to come on and talk about the Outback a little bit. Uh, it's one of my favorite vehicles, actually. Uh, it was when I did my half-hour Fox special, we featured that vehicle in that. Because if you have dogs, which... 72% of Americans have dogs, I believe that's the number, uh, then this is the perfect vehicle for you. It's low height, too, so your dogs don't have to jump in and out of the back. We're also going to talk to Anton Warman a little bit about uh, his, uh, what's going on in the world, and the Audi e-tron. Uh, we're going to get a delve into that, too. That's their first electric SUV. They've got many more on the lines coming down. Mm -hmm. but the e-tron uh, fascinates me. Uh, it really does. I really kind of want one. I like the look of it. Yeah, they made it look pretty sexy. It is. Is that sports back look? Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Would you own an electric vehicle? Yo, you ask me this every week. Yeah. I guess it just depends on the vehicle. How about that? Would you own an e-tron? I don't know. I've never driven it. Apparently, neither have you. Right, maybe we can have a decision by next week. All right. <laughs> that's all coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Our auto expert, this is uh, your smart speaker on the radio. Just say hello, Google, or hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Our auto expert radio show, all the previous episodes of the podcast available. Hours of endless fun. I'm Nick Miles. This is our auto expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news here daily. I will tell you that uh, one of the vehicles, and, and I think they tout this as the first ever three-row luxury SUV, is the Buick Enclave and I've had an opportunity to be driving that this week. It's actually a pretty good buy. It can tow 5,000 pounds, seats up to seven. You can get about 26 miles a gallon on the highway, starting around $40,000. Now, of course, Buick doing some amazing different uh, deals right now, especially payment deferral, uh, those sort of things. So if a new SUV is in your line, the, uh, the guys came today, we did a lot of yard work, um, and the guys came today to take all of the debris away from the yard just before we got started of the radio show and they were oogling over this brand new enclave which was in the driveway it does come in a whole bunch of colors the only ones i think one two three four five six seven eight nine ten colors they cut it comes in something called red quartz tint coat which is a nice red color and it comes in another color called dark moon blue metallic uh, those are probably the two that i would choose the summit uh the summit white 
no, sorry, the rich garnet metallic, which is the dark brown color. Everything apart from that is uh, pretty much silver or gray. There is a champagne gold color, but it's sort of white frost, uh, dark slate, uh, satin steel, uh, ebony twilight metallic. so I think 80%, the last time I checked out, 80% of the cars in the U.S. were either white, black, gray, sil- or silver, which is uh, a kind of an interesting, I like colored cars, but perhaps only 20% of us are a little bit crazy enough to get uh, uh, vehicles in those startling colors. The things I like about this vehicle are, as well as that, it comes in a bunch of trim levels. They introduced some new trim levels as well this year. Uh, on top of the premium level, they also had the Avenir level. I don't know if you remember seeing at the auto shows that Avenir was a concept car that Buick came up with. Um, and they decided to actually make it a trim level in a bunch of their vehicles. And it's sort of the cream of the crop of this vehicle. I mean, it does push the price up to in the low $50,000 range. But it gives you an exclusive grille and unique styling, HD surround vision and rear camera monitor, power moonroof with a rear fixed skylight and wireless smart charging. I do like the way it looks. I do like the interior materials. I'm not sure I need those features enough to pay uh, extra on it, but it is pretty nice. The active safety on Buick. Buick have always touted the fact that they could uh, see around their car 360 degrees before many of the car companies were doing that. It could see behind you and see vehicles coming up at speed. The 2020 Enclave helps you navigate uh, the unpredicted and empowers you to really take control of the road. I found it easy to drive. It has things like lane change alert with side blind zone alert and automatic emergency braking as well. Exploring safety on this vehicle. It protects uh, the family, which I really like. Even has a signature Buick grille uh, with a hands-free power liftgate with the LED logo projection which I think is really cool. You can buy that aftermarket, by the way. You don't have to have a brand new vehicle, but you can actually buy it aftermarket and you can install those LED uh, logo uh, projections um, in those vehicles. And then also uh, it has uh, all of the sort of modern safety features. I like the, the airy, roomy cabin. So if you really like an airy, roomy cabin for the whole family, and occasionally you might want to tow it, but I think a 310 horsepower, 3.6 liter V6 engine, available intelligent all-wheel drive, and an active twin clutch, which makes shifting that nine-speed automatic transmission very smooth and simple. Enclave also delivers plenty of uh, pulling power, so that 5,000 pound with the uh, tailor uh, with the towing package you've got to get the towing package and of course all of those uh, seamless world connectivities it comes equipped with uh, technologies such as apple carplay android auto and the capability of built-in wi-fi available with a 4g lte data um, so you can get lots of connectivity and just looking at these i think i really like a couple of the the specs on the vehicle even being able to sort of wave your foot under the back and have it open up it's sort of that entry level beginning premium luxury style uh, but it seems to be a favorite like people stop me and say that's a really nice car when you're driving i mean not as much as you know when i'm driving something like a lamborghini huracan but they do enjoy uh, driving it and i think uh, the owners really enjoy it it's got quite a loyal buick fan club as well um, a lot of people driving buicks i think they used to they used to call it the doctor's car but there, there is also the as well as the um 
Enclave Avenir, they have the Envision, they have the Regal Turex, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Buick has that, that wagon. It's actually, I think, an Opal that comes from Europe. And, and they I've seen those things so cheap right now. Uh, I'm looking at one maybe $34,000. I've seen them for about $10,000 less than that. They've knocked off the price. Uh, which is a really, really good deal. Although uh, Jen might be forced into an SUV, you'd probably be unlikely to get into a um, uh, a wagon, would you? Yeah, I'm not into the wagon. Look, really? <clears throat> you, you, but you had a dog at one point. Yes, I did. What did you transport your dog in? My monster truck. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it was great because the center console is removed, so that's where he would lay. She would lay. I'm sorry. She. Would lay. Oh. Um, hey, you. What did you drive to the to to here today, from your home? What vehicle did you drive? My black Chevrolet. The one that doesn't have uh, brakes. The one that's going to get fixed on Monday. So you drove it to the station without working brakes. No, I have work. They work. They work. They're just. So why squishy. you have them replaced? Because they're start. They're squishy and they're starting to squeak. Oh, stop sign! Stop pumping! Fifty feet away. Exactly. <laughs> Frighten me, Jen. Hey, I, I know my limits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I did want to mention congratulations to Subaru. Uh, the Outback was named as Good Housekeeping's uh, 2020 Best New Family Car for the uh, second year in a row. Um, and of course, we talked about the fact that you see Outbacks at the ski hill all the time. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of a wagon, especially if you're a dog owner. And it starts at $26,000, which makes it a very sensible vehicle. But I like the idea just because you don't want your dogs jumping up and down um, really high backs in a vehicle. Even now, Fat Joey, my little fat beagle, <laughs> he used to be able to, he used to be skinny and young like 10 years ago. Yeah. He used to be able to run up to almost any car and jump in the back. He still tries it now and then he high sides it and falls onto his back. Well, you got to so, remember, I had a, a lab yeah. and lab's a lot bigger, obviously, yeah. like Sam. Yeah. Versus, Sam's my lab, if you didn't yeah. know that. Versus Joey. Bamkins. Um, even he, even I still had to pick her up. Sam, labs are a bit weird because when you want them to put them in a car, you don't, you don't think about how high a car could be. Um, the reason I say that is that Sam would all the dogs would track mud in from the outside mm-hmm. so we put that wall in the back of the house the day the wall was finished and we took the fence away from around it so it's like a three and a half foot three foot well, probably three foot wall i haven't measured it so it's about three foot yeah it's about three um foot. and it's outside the back door so they can't run off the lawn straight into the house they have to come down the, the, the patio and then they get some of the mud off their feet which are you know then i have to power wash the patio but well, that's a whole different story so uh put that wall in he just jumps over it or he just sits three, on top of it. Yeah, he sits on that <laughs> three-foot wall. My Labrador, chong. What? I this morning, uh, I had him out front with us. Him and the and the shepherd Arwen. We had them out front when we were uh, loading stuff up into the truck or all, all the yard debris. And um, were, you know, these guys that really like the avenue, like the uh, the enclave, were googling over the enclave. The the interesting thing about it is that he was out there running around. When he came in the house, he runs in the back door, clears the couch, just from the back right over it to the front without touching it but you know what's kind of funny is none of your animals are named after cars Porsche well okay I forgot about Porsche (laughs) sorry that's a car isn't it yes okay just checking yes Uh, I I'm a nerd I know you are and uh, the the three dogs that I named are all named after either Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So we have Samwise Gamgees we have Princess Arwen mm-hmm. and we have Bellatrix Lestrange 
Um, Joseph came from St. Joseph's, Missouri. So he came with the name Joseph. And uh, Portia came with the name Portia because she was so fast as a puppy they couldn't catch her. So she was. No, was she, she was, the one that you found at the dumps in the dumpster? No, that was Be- Bellatrix Lestrange. <clears throat> that was okay. the evil Bell. Destroyed my couch and pulled up all my carpet the first day we owned it. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole different story. Uh, and Sam, when he was young, my dad still does not have seatbelts in the rear of his Sienna van because Sam chewed through them. I had a press Toyota car. And I went out, and the seatbelts were chewed through at the back. Mm, well, labs are he, known for that. He loved <laughs> to chew. And my my parents, I just recently convinced them to have a to get a dog because they're retired. Right. And they, they, you know, we went through all these different breeds of decisions. They wanted a beagle. I told them not while I'm alive. <laughs> you can never take a beagle off the leash. I used to we'd right. take them in the Land Rover to the park, and you open the back of the door of the Land Rover. And so the, the Land Rover, my dif- uh, discovery, has a side opening door, open sideways. Um, y- you can't really control them unless you have a cage in the back. So as you open a crack of the door, it would be five noses would appear at it. And if one could get out under the door, uh, they'd be gone. And my uncle has so. a beagle, or had a beagle. He just used to get separation anxiety so bad. Yeah. His and name was Sammy. They don't have, uh, they have selective hearing. This is why if they got out of the car and started running, <laughs> you could never call them back. They would be like, yeah, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. get lost. I'm out of here. So um, they, you know, they would go crazy. So the, to transporting dogs, I love wagons because they're so easy. Right. You should always have your dog on a harness. Uh, and there's only, I think, one kind of harness that in tests show good. But the real truth about it is the safest place for a dog in a vehicle is in a kennel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think about this. If you get into an accident, the dog becomes a projectile. That's right. the first thing. But the second thing is, so you've been in an accident and you may not have your wits about you. And the policeman or bystanders come to the car. What's the first thing they do? What? Open the door. Well, yeah. What happens to your dog? Yeah, right. See ya. So you yeah. should always have your uh, you should always have your dog in, in a, a kennel, kennel in the car. Yeah. A lot of people go, oh no, I like my dog to run around. Yes, I'll do that if I'm going around the block doing a piece for television. Mm-hmm. But I won't I won't have the dog running running around in the car. It's it's just too dangerous. Not if I'm going on a long trip. They get they we have a cage. And I always back. put the seatbelt through the handle on the kennels. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't no, know if they you're should be secured. To do that, no. But I always do. You it. should put straps in. They have tie downs in the back of most vehicles, the yeah. SUVs. You should uh, you should strap them in so they don't roll around. Uh, it's just too dangerous to have them running around the car, and you it, for their safety, your safety, and somebody oh, yeah. else's safety. It drives so. me crazy when you pull up to a stop sign and the dog's like right out the window, going, "Hey, <laughs> check me out. I'm cute." Yeah, we've had that a you few know. times where the dog has decided to you know take off at the stop sign. Yes, yes, yeah. it's scary. Yeah, no, they should be secured properly in a car. And that's why I like wagons. That's the other. And congratulations to Subaru being named the uh, Good Housekeeping 2020 Best New Family Car for the second year in a row. The all-new sixth-generation Outback is what won the prize, recognized for its safety, comfort, and design, as well as its value. The segment winner for that second year in a row, all trim levels equipped with their symmetrical all-wheel drive. Excellent if you go skiing on any of the ski hills around here. All trim levels equipped with the, uh, as well with the award-winning eyesight. Not all trim levels, but the top trim levels. Uh, yeah, no, it is all 
ultra levels, the eyesight uh, standard uh, driver's assisted technology, which has something in it my dad really needs, and everybody needs it as a cell phone, is that when the car in front of you pulls away at a light, it lets you know. If you're looking down at your phone or you're not paying attention, it tells you that the car in front of you uh, pulled away. Plus, they have that new uh, Subaru Starlink 11.6-inch touchscreen, all for a starting price around $26,645. Congratulations, Subaru. Best list new family car for 2020. Thanks to good housekeeping. More Our Auto Expert show to come. Uh, we still have a bunch of people to talk to. Finding out what's on the show, don't forget to listen to previous episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a problem, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Celebrating Mother's Day today for all the mothers, I just warn you, warn you, if you're going to buy your mother um, car cleaning stuff, make sure you also clean the car you don't. It's like buying a vacuum or exercise equipment. Not you necessarily. Don't, yes. Oh, Jen, do, do how? I'm a mother. Yes. And if somebody, and you're you're a truck girl mother. That's true. You're a different kind of mother. I'm a different kind of breed. Yes. Not the first time I've heard that. Yes, you're a different <laughs> kind of mother. If if I bought my mum car cleaning stuff. Well, yeah, you'd forget be in it. trouble. Forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a dead man. I, I would be a dead man. It's like you do not buy your wife exercise equipment for Christmas. You just don't do it. Don't buy her car clean. Don't buy her a vacuum either. Yes, just, I agree with that 110%. I'm just warning you. You would be in such serious trouble. Your life wouldn't even be worth living. You need happy stuff. So when you go ahead and buy your mother something for the car, for, make sure you install it. It's something that you put in that she doesn't have to do any work. Mother's Day is not about celebrating uh, with more work for moms. It's about celebrating with less work for moms. Uh, I have had to listen to Jen (laughs) drone on for the last several years about clay bar for mothers. (laughs) And uh, you just, you go on. Tell me before we get to talk to Jim, tell me why you like clay bar. Oh, it makes your paint feel amazing. Right. It takes I, all the pollutants out of it. Because rubbing cars is my whole thing. Like, feeling my paint is what well, I'm all about. <laughs> do you like your car nice and shiny? Yes. yes. Do you like this? I personally love to rub my hand across my Camaro. It feels so soft and smooth. <laughs> okay, not, so I'm weird. It's not one of my goals. Yes, well, we've established the whole <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> Joining us on the phone is uh, Jim Dvorak. He is from uh, Mothers. Uh, so let, first of all, Jim, is this a busy time of year for you guys? Mothers, Mothers... You know, Mother's Day, a lot of people buying your stuff and, and cleaning that, hopefully cleaning their mom's car, not just giving it to them. Uh, yes, Nick, it sure is a busy time of year. You know, spring has sprung. Uh, the weather is getting warmer. They're trying to take winter off. Uh, up there in the Northwest, you don't get very many opportunities to take care of your car during the winter. So it's good to get it cleaned up and shiny for those nice long country highway drives now definitely if you're one of our chicago listeners you probably had a really rough winter and your car needs a lot of attention as well mm-hmm. uh the only real experience i have because I'm, I'm not a maintenance kind of car guy i'm a kind of drive a new fast sports car kind of guy and then they take um, it away and, and they take it, it away it. wash it and clean it yeah the uh so so i don't do a lot of this myself but i will tell you I uh, there is a big mother's bridge that goes. Is it Laguna Seca? It goes across the 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 bridge there. Yes, yes. Yeah, I uh, that's I 
I couldn't miss that. I raced Laguna Seca regularly. I drove uh, a whole bunch of vehicles for the first time around there and always see that Mother's Bridge. And, of course, Mother's very famous for all those people that take care of their cars. So how did the company start? Was this started by Mother's, or how did it end up with the name Mother's? Well, it was actually founded in the early 70s out of the need to develop a polish for mag and aluminum wheels because the Holloway family had owned uh, some tire shops here in Southern California. And our co-founder, Al Holloway, um, had actually named the company Mothers because you, everybody trusts their mothers. Oh, so, I get it now. So uh, even though Al passed away many years ago, his wife Barbara still owns the company, so we affectionately refer to her as Mother. Oh. Uh, she's kind of my adopted mom, and uh, she runs it with the help of her son, Dennis, our CEO. And it's, it is a very family-oriented business. We have a great time. We're all car people. And um, we're having a good time. In fact, one of the reasons why we have that Mother's Bridge at Laguna Seca is because we're very involved in motorsports. Yeah. And uh, really, uh, that's part of our audience. We're also very active in the hot rod community. Yes, no, I see that a lot of times when I go to meets and different things. There's a lot of months advertising, and of course, I am somewhat familiar with the products. I mean, I, I like to pretend that I don't, but I do. <laughs> I do wash my cars quite regularly as well. Uh, so, and how about you? How long have you been with Mothers, and how long have you been part of this intimate family? Well, I've been uh, helping Mothers for about 20 years, about 10 years full-time in the office, answering questions for customers and providing technical support and representing them uh, across the country at uh, trade shows. And it's a really a neat company to work for. Again, we are family-owned, and uh, they're very good people. They sent us all home when California shut down. Uh, even our shippers, even though they don't have anything to do, the rest of us are uh, working, and everybody's getting paid. Our CEO, Dennis, is running the shipping department just to make sure everybody's safe while, while we're addressing this pandemic i love it a family run and still operating so all right let's talk about clay bar because jen's been telling me about this for years so uh, there's no real competition for clay bar i mean just look around it's kind of the only thing that people uh do and and it's sort of a um, well how would you explain it jim well it's, it's a little confusing but it's very simple and it's very ingenious in how it works so clay bar is meant to remove the rough bump of the contaminants, the pollens, uh, um, winter fallout that sticks to the paint. Even though you wash it, if your paint still feels rough, with the clay bar, you can remove those contaminants because if they're left on the surface, they can damage your clear coat. And as Jen was commenting, it makes your paint feel silky smooth. <laughs> and it looks better once it's clean. So it really is an important step prior to polishing and waxing. And that's just one of a multitude of products that Mothers makes, right? We make a broad range of everything car care. And uh, I also appreciate you sharing a photo on your social media. I included some of our CMX products. It's a new line that helps provide modern technology using silicon dioxide and titanium dioxide to lay down a glass-like protective coating on your paint so it effectively replaces waxing with something that'll last two to three times longer nice. and it's much easier to use 
Uh, I like the idea, and I like the idea of buying this for uh, for, for uh, your mother on Mother's Day. Um, when I'm sure when we get done with the radio show today, Jen's going to go out front of my house and clean all my cars with a clay bar. Just show me how it works. What? Maybe, you know, you're not? Maybe one. Maybe one. <laughs> you have to see how many cars I have. It takes a while. <laughs> Jim from Mother's, if you want more information, you should get some of this for your mom, but you better clean that car. It's uh, mothers.com is the website. A whole host of really great products. I'll be testing them out on my car. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. This is Our Auto Expert Radio Show. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a question, just direct message us. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, and most of that is supplied by uh, us because we like to go test drive cars. One vehicle that has been sorely missed from my test drive sheet is uh did you is, just write it down i did is <laughs> is uh is the audi e-tron because i'm i'm pretty excited i went to uh to san francisco we took a ferry across the harbor and we went to this big unveil of the vehicle so it's kind of excited to see that but want to find out more about the vehicle uh, matthew mostafe is on the phone with us from audi he's the product manager for this you you must be getting a lot of interviews going on right now uh, matthew because this is probably one of the most important uh, new vehicles for audi we used to talk to a lot of the tech guys and performance guys at audi before but uh, the uh, idea that this is now one of the world's leading electric vehicles vehicles uh, you must be a sought-after commodity in the interview uh, platform i'm guessing yeah it's been it's been a really exciting time for us with uh, launching this car so we launched it uh, last may of last year so it's been about a year now uh, since it came on the market and um, so far so good you know all the feedback and reviews we've gotten from people who it is phenomenal they love the car um, it's an audi through and through so uh, it is our first electric vehicle but we're very happy to get it on the market I saw my first one on the road probably about a year ago in San Diego, um, and some guy was very proud of it. Uh, I, mean, he, I think he probably had the first one in San Diego, but the, it does look like an Audi, and this is one of the things I'm really glad to see that Audi did when, it, when, when you guys created the e-tron, is so many car companies go to create a vehicle, and it never looks like the rest of the line of vehicles when it's an electric, but you've managed to make a, a driving, sustainable vehicle be an Audi as well. Exactly. Yeah, so we wanted, the first and foremost, the car to you know look and feel familiar to our existing customers. Really, our intent wasn't to try and capture existing electric vehicle owners who have already made that jump because it's a really small population of people that you can capture. It was really to get people who have a traditional gasoline SUV to go electric. And to do that, we had to give them something that they were familiar with, both in terms of exterior styling, but interior features and amenities, and just the overall driving experience and um you know, really build quality that they expect with a premium SUV. And so those were really our, our uh, you know, top of mind topics and keeping everything uh, familiar and, and um, you know, sort of uh, something That's, that customers would expect. Yeah, someone that, would, then, that might want to drive a luxury SUV anyway was just, it just happened to be electric as well with this. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, luxury SUV first that just happens to be electric, yeah. Uh, tell me some of the features of the vehicle because, uh, first of all, how far how, how far does it go on electricity alone and what sort of differentiates it from some of the other vehicles out there? Yeah, so it has an EPA estimated range of 204 miles. 
Uh, the Sportback, which we just put the press release out uh, this past week, uh, has 218 miles of range. And that is kind of the more fastback-looking version of the e-tron SUV. Uh, and really the key differentiating feature for us is our charging speed. So we have 150 kilowatt uh, capability in terms of charging. So that means basically if you're on a road trip, you're getting an 80% charge in about 30 minutes. So you're stopping to get something to eat. Uh, you get 80% of your charge quickly and you're back on the road and on your way. So we realize that most of our customers are charging at home. About 90% or so of charging is done either at work or at home. And so we wanted to, you know, make sure that we gave them that capability to charge at home and be able to charge overnight comfortably comfortably at home, but also support, you know, that 10% or fewer use case where you're on the highway and need to, you know, get on the, on the road quickly. I like the idea that you made this seamless because when we went to the unveiling in San Francisco, one of the things that Scott Kehoe showed us was the partnership with uh, Amazon, where Amazon were actually able to install an electric charger in your house. And I always think about this. I want to go out and look at an electric car and buy one, but then you have to go and find someone to put a charger in your home as well. You kind of made this seamless. Exactly. So in terms of charging at home, as you said, we did uh, partner with Amazon Home Services. So it's as easy as going to uh, Amazon.com slash Audi Charging and essentially just answering a few questions there and really getting an upfront price of how much it's going to cost to install a charger at your home. But then again, if you do need charging on the highway, we partnered with Electrify America. So each e-tron that a customer buys gets 1,000 kilowatt hours or about roughly 2,000 miles of free uh, charging included with the car at any Electrify America station. So it really makes that transition of going electric that much easier. You know, we get you set up quickly and easily at home, but then also when you're out on the highway, you have that included Electrify America charging that makes it, you know, really easy to become familiar with their network and understand where their chargers are. So going electric can be as you know, seamless and easy as possible. Audi, to me, has always been a company that's been ahead of the tech, uh, the, way ahead than a lot of the companies in North America. One of the things I was super impressed with is on the A6, A7 launch was the, the headlights that you had, which were um, adaptive. So although they're not legal in the United States yet, uh, one of the things you could do is walk in front of the vehicle and uh, shine a, a flashlight, and it would just block out where the flashlight was. So you, to me, you've always been ahead of the curve. Does the e-tron bring things into this segment that the competition isn't bringing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the headlights. So the e-tron does have those matrix headlights that you mentioned there. Of course, for the U.S., uh, given the regulations, they're not activated for the U.S. market. But if the regulations do ever allow it, uh, us to bring those in, the hardware is already in the car, so it's just a matter of updating the software. Uh, but beyond that, um, we also have shown the digital matrix headlights, which are even a step further uh, than the matrix headlights that you saw. And these digital matrix headlights actually have a projector in them that can project things onto the road. So if there's a hazard or something, you know, on the road ahead, the car is able to warn you by projecting the light on the road and also able to identify objects like deer and things uh, on the side of the road and really point them out to you by using a a light projection. So that'll be launching uh, on the e-tron Sportback and the e-tron SUV for model year 21. Um, And uh, again, in the U.S., that that feature won't be um, fully activated, but the customer will have some projection animations uh, that'll be able to show up when they're locking and unlocking the car. So really, we do have all the hardware in place. It's just a matter of getting the regulations caught up and, you know, unlocking it via software. It's almost like having a nightclub in the uh, headlights. You can have them do uh, <laughs> different things. That's kind of my idea of fun. Yeah. So, uh, environmental impact of the vehicle is uh, considerably less than a regular SUV. Oh, definitely, yeah. So the e-tron gets about uh, 70 
depending on the sportback or SUV, about 77 miles per gallon equivalent, so significantly better than your traditional SUV, which is probably about 25 miles per gallon. At if that. that, if that. Uh, but exactly, yeah, depending on what you have. And beyond that, too, the e-tron is actually produced at our carbon-neutral Brussels uh, factory. So uh, fully carbon-neutral build process, and then, of course, depending on where your power source is, um, you're having, you know, you could, if you're powered by solar, you have a completely renewable, you know, uh, sustainable vehicle that you're driving. Um, well, let's talk about price because uh, this is on sale. The, the regular e-tron's on sale, but where does it start, and, and is it still uh, in line for the government uh, $7,500 rebate and presumably local rebates as well if it's all electric? Correct, yeah. So the $7,500 rebate is still in effect uh, for Audi. So when you do go buy an e-tron, you do get that uh, benefit as well. The e-tron starts at 74.8, and the Sportback that we just revealed starts at uh, 77.4. And those, those are both premium plus trims, so they're very nicely equipped cars, you know, things like top view camera, um, heated and ventilated front seats, uh, driver assistance package, all that good stuff is all included in that price. And uh, it sounds like uh, the Audi Group has a bunch more electric cars on the docket. You just about announced the Sportback. Uh, is, is there more coming or is this, uh, is this, this it, the Sportback, or are you still working on future product as well? No, we definitely have a whole horse, whole host of uh, items coming uh, in the future, vehicles coming in the future. So we did, as you mentioned, just launch the e-tron and the e-tron Sportback, and we also just launched our uh, Q5 plug-in hybrid as well as our A8 plug-in hybrid. And later this year, we'll also have our A7 plug-in hybrid. But beyond that, uh, we're also looking at other vehicles that we've shown concepts of. So we have the e-tron GT, uh, which the production version will be unveiled here hopefully by the end of the year. And then after that, we'll have the Q4 e-tron, which is sort of the smaller SUV e-tron, which will likely the production version will be unveiled next year. Uh, And then after that, we've announced our PPE platform. So that is a completely ground up, you know, whole new electric platform that will underpin a whole host of electric vehicles moving forward, anything from an A4 size sedan all the way up to Q7 or Q8 sized SUV. So uh, really a lot to come. Yeah, a a lot to come. Uh, Electric, a lot of fun vehicles as well. Matthew from Audi, thanks very much. More Our Auto Expert coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles. Joining us on the phone, he's an independent analyst and investor. Uh, you can read most of his stuff at the street or Seeking Alpha, Anton Warman. Uh, Anton, it, it seems to be that Tesla's news is dominating uh, the news cycle, uh, especially in the last couple of days. Let's start off with uh, Elon uh, calling his son what? Like it. I, I'm trying to read the name of what he called his child, and it has a it has letters. I've I I've ne- it looks like logos in the name and X's, and uh, it it just seems like if you ever thought that uh, that uh, he lost it that completely, uh, Elon Musk, the name of his kid is X A E, which is the uh, I think it's probably a um, Greek alphabet or something A together A dash twelve Elon Musk. Is that what do you what do you make of this? Is the guy completely lost it? Well, look at the bright side of things in this day and age. I'm just happy that he was able to recognize that the uh, child was either a uh, boy or a girl, which some people <laughs> seem to be confused about. So, I think at this point, we take whatever we can get. So, I'm sure that he has, will have the opportunity if he will not already be 
um, remanded by our beautiful government to actually change the name to something that is remotely comprehensible and has actual letters and does not consist of numbers. I'm just surprised they didn't call the kid Tick, 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 just for the <laughs> pain of it. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I, I did, that one came out. I mean, I think that one was him, uh, frankly, just having a lot of fun and getting free publicity and having some some humor with it. I'm sure that a real, um, real name will soon emerge. I think uh, based on the tweets that he sent out just barely over an hour ago now, I think he will call the new kid uh, Model Texas. <laughs> because... He's looking at uh, moving Tesla, which, uh, you know, interestingly enough, is that his decision. But he's looking at moving Tesla uh, from California to Texas. So where are we at with that? Well, he was uh, not so uncertain. He says, and I quote, Tesla will now move its headquarters and future programs to Texas, Nevada immediately. If we even retain Fremont's manufacturing activity at all, it will be dependent on how Tesla is treated in the future. So uh, the presumption there is that he will not just move the headquarters and all future programs to Texas immediately, but will also move the manufacturing there, I assume, as soon as uh, practicable. Uh, you know, it's probably not a bad idea because Texas seems to be more favorable to car manufacturing. It's fairly easily accessible to the rest of the country. It's sort of right in between, even though it's down in the south. It's a big state. They have a lot of land. Uh, the taxes are fairly uh, fairly good in Texas. And also, uh, the local government are willing to work with you, as we saw by Toyota moving. So financially, it makes a lot of sense, but it seems to be more of a protest move. Well, clearly, this is, a, this is the final straw. He said, clearly, there have been issues leading up to this. This was not the uh, first problem he had with the local government out there in California. And uh, uh, we should just get back a minute, though, to, to just uh, look at the almost a poetic situation here where this was a factory that was essentially a joint venture once upon a time between General Motors and Toyota. Uh, and then Toyota basically took it over and, and kicked um, uh, General Motors to the curb on that. And then Toyota said, well, forget about this California thing. It's really going to be very difficult for us to operate in a sufficiently profitable manner from this factory in the San Francisco Bay Area. So why don't we sell it to Tesla instead? Well, Tesla had no money, so they essentially said to Tesla, look, we're willing to invest $50 million in you, Tesla, if in exchange for that you pay uh, us for the factory. So uh, Tesla essentially got the factory sort of kind of for free in exchange for a $50 million investment from Toyota. And that was almost to the day 10 years ago. Interestingly enough, uh, Toyota doesn't seem to have uh, much to do with Tesla, although Toyota are uh, relocated in Texas, so uh, he may be just following suit around there. Now, uh, what happens to the 20,000 employees that are, are employed by Tesla? Will those jobs move to Texas? Will those people move to Texas? What, what do you think he'll, he'll do with those? Well, clearly, when he sent this thing out uh, here just barely an hour ago, I don't think he had a, a very detailed plan on that. But I think you look at the pattern for what happened with both Nissan about a decade ago and Toyota less than about a half a decade ago when they moved to Nashville and Dallas, respectively. And uh, the answer is that some of the people went with them. Uh, whatever the number was, 25 to 65 percent of the people uh, moved, uh, depending on function and seniority and so forth. Um, and uh, then some people chose not to move. And I think in a case like this, 
um, you know, some people will move with him to right. Texas and some won't. Right. So I think uh, that's the natural course of things. All right, coming up, I want to talk a little bit about Tesla suing some governments. That's next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri. Play Our Auto Expert radio show. And all previous episodes will be available to you on the podcast. Hours of endless fun as you sit at home in quarantine or in uh, home stay-at-home orders. I'm Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert. On the phone with us, Anton Wallman. He is an independent analyst and investor. You can read multitude of his stuff at The Street and at Seeking Alpha. So, Anton, looks like Tesla are taking on local governments. Yeah, so what's happening here is that the state of California did not ban automotive manufacturing, but the county in which Tesla's factory in California is located is called Alameda County. They had imposed a stricter set of rules that banned this factory from being in operations, and Tesla thought that um, about 24 hours ago, barely, uh, that they were going to be in production by the end of yesterday, but... um, as it turns out, the county there said, forget about it. Uh, you are going to be uh, shut down through the end of this month. And uh, what's happened in response to that is that Elon Musk said that uh, it will be filing a lawsuit against Alameda County immediately. He says that, quote, the unelected and ignorant interim health officer of Alameda is acting contrary to the president, our constitutional freedoms, and just plain common sense. So Musk is clearly fired up, and he thinks that he can uh, obtain damages from the government having uh, prevented him from being in full operation. A lot of times when we talk about these companies, uh, you know, taking on local government, starting lawsuits, uh, a suggestion from all of the experts is, you know, sit back, count to 10, don't do anything rash, just wait a minute and analyze what's best for the company. But Elon seems to shoot from the hip. I mean, a a lot of companies like uh, Toyota and Nissan who moved out of California and uh, Nissan moved to Nashville, Toyota moved to uh, Texas. These were years in the decision-making, years of uh, local government exploration about how they could benefit and try and save the company money. And uh, you know, moving a lot of people out there was extremely expensive, building new headquarters. Is, but Elon just seems to make a decision in a few minutes flat. In part, that is true. But keep in mind there were a couple of things going here. For the last couple of months, Uh, He has been hinted that the next factory, then one that would be producing the pickup truck, would be in Texas. So he has already said that it's hinted very, very strongly uh, in favor of that. And then 10 days ago at his quarterly earnings call, he said that the battery day, which he had scheduled for uh, hopefully uh, the third week of May of this year, would be held in either Texas or California, depending on which state had the most favorable climate holding such a meeting. Basically saying uh, with that comment that, uh, uh, you know, if California doesn't rise up, he's going to have the meeting in Texas. So all the signs were already there. And then within two days after that earnings call 10 days ago, he said that he is going to sell all of his houses, all of whom are located inside the state of California. A lot of people 
uh, took that to mean that uh, he basically needed to raise some cash personally or anything of that nature. Uh, I, I said at the time that it's most likely, and I think I said that on last week's radio show, Nick, uh, that it's most likely because he is looking to move to Texas. And I think this is really what's unfolding here. So he has already been looking for uh, part of this. And in terms of bridging the move of the actual factory from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area to Texas is really going to be the factory that he's currently building in Shanghai, China. So I think what's going to happen there is that the factory in China is going to have to supply the U.S. market for Tesla's for about a year or so as the factory in Texas is being built. That is really the plan that is unfolding as we speak. And it's not necessarily a bad idea. California's taxes are very high. Uh, the government is uh, not favorable to some some kinds of businesses. Uh, Elon might do better in Texas uh, with the type of business he has. But looking at overall electric cars and electric car sales in the United States, I mean, when we stand back and we look at this, they were always kind of, let's say, one of the siblings, one of the younger brothers of, of automotive industry sales. And they struggle a little bit to get acceptance. They needed government incentives to to really get accepted. Uh, and now with the COVID-19 pandemic, is this put a real nail in the coffin of electric cars becoming mainstream? I don't think that the virus situation impacts uh, the prospects for electric cars on a relative basis to non-electric cars one way or the other, really. I think that that is I think it's too early or way too unclear to say that that is going to be any shift in those expected market shares going forward based on this specific sector. I think that the um, uh, quotas that have essentially been set both on a federal level on a, in a milder format as well as in terms of on a state level led by California with about a dozen or so states joining California in those uh, quotas, they're essentially proportional. So if the whole market is going to go down by, pick a number here, 20 25%, yes, electric car sales, all other things equal, are likely to come down, uh, but not as a percentage of the total. So I think that I think that we should look at electric car sales going forward as being essentially a, a fixed percentage of the total, uh, regardless of where we are in the business cycle. And now, as far as sales are concerned, uh, we looked at uh, J.D. Power and Associates. Uh, they had a, a sales call last week to look at how the country was doing. It does vary very much state by state. Uh, some places like Salt Lake uh, tended to be down just uh, 14% in the last week or so in automotive sales. But places like Pittsburgh had suffered uh, hits as much as 99.2% of da- uh, sales being down month to month or week to week. Uh, Overall, in the United States, every single state is slightly different as it is with uh, the virus. Uh, Some states, like New York State, have suffered really badly. Other states have minimal cases and have not had anybody that has been, you know, they haven't had the huge numbers that somewhere like uh, New York City has had. And that's obviously due to the fact that they're being far away. But as far as automotive sales are concerned, electric car sales, is it a state-to-state thing? I mean, electric cars aren't really readily available in every state in the union, right? Well, it depends, right? So certain models are, certain aren't. But really, they're driven by the automakers having to fulfill certain quotas for their fleet averages. So clearly, the uh, automakers have to sell more in California in about a dozen or so states that comprise the most stringent part 
of those formulas. So that's really where that comes from. And on top of that, we have the incentives that the consumers are able to see, which are the consumer rebates and tax credits of various sorts. They're the highest in the country right now, of all places in New Jersey and in the and in Denver, New Jersey and Denver have the strongest consumer incentives in the country. And then it's all down from that. And, of course, there's at least half of the states in the country that have no uh, monetary direct state incentives whatsoever. And, of course, there are others that uh, have the far more important incentives. Take California, for example, where if you live in the two major metropolitan areas of California, what really matters to you can be just the carpool lane incentives where you can drive solo in the carpool lane during rush hour. That, if you just survey people, and people have been surveying these people for over a half a decade now, uh, they're saying that almost half of the people that buy an electric car view the carpool lane incentive as being the single most important purchase decision that was in front of them at the time. What about reveals now of these new vehicles? Because there was, uh, and I'll go back to an article that we referenced multiple times that you wrote uh, a few years ago, which was talking about, or maybe a year ago, uh, um, up to 200 new electric vehicles, plug-in electric vehicles, going to be released in the next couple of years. Is that being pushed out now because of uh, COVID-19, or are we still on target? Well, so uh, nothing is at 100%. So there are a couple of things at the very edges. So in other words, let's say an automaker had planned 10 different uh, battery electric vehicles uh, going forward over a certain uh, time frame. Uh, they may cut that down to nine and, and push out one or two others by six months or so or nine months on the time horizon. But by and large, the vast, vast majority of the electric vehicles that were in development are essentially going to continue to be on track. You should look at it that way. You should look at this being a, a close enough to a 90% of these programs will remain intact. A small percentage will get canceled outright, at least for you know some period of time, and some will be pushed out by about six or so months in a handful of cases. But uh, don't view this as a major change in the electric car programs from all the major automakers. Which is good news for those of us that enjoy uh, some driving of electric cars as well. But some places still on target. I mean, I look at Sweden and uh, their plug-in electric car sales remain high in April 2020. Uh, and they, they have a very different setup, but it's a good predictor of uh, how the rest of the world might fall in. Well, uh, in terms of predicting electric car sales, I've been saying for a handful of years now that it, I can answer that question very easily, and that is that if there are no incentives like tax credits or carpool lane incentives or uh, the reverse of incentives, which is to say that if you tax non-electric cars very highly, whether on the, at the gas pump or when you purchase the car in terms of the excise tax, uh, there, you know, by doing so, that's effectively an incentive to buy an electric car, even though it's uh, kind of the reverse. Uh, in, 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 if there are no such incentives in place, no such subsidies, uh, whether you live in Nebraska, Nigeria, or Nepal, uh, basically electric car market is about 0.1% of the market. Most people are not willing to pay the extra premium that it would cost to buy an electric car in an unsubsidized world, because if, if they are unsubsidized, they are $20,000, more expensive than a regular non-electric car, and most customers simply are not interested in that. But once you introduce incentives, then the sky is the limit. Whether it's in Sweden, in Norway, in the Netherlands, in the United Kingdom, you go down the list, 
go from country to country where you have introduced incentives from time to time. And as they have shifted around, we can clearly see a change in the sales pattern. So you can get to us in Norway, which is the highest electric car market in the world as a percentage of the total where electric cars are about 60 percent zero percent of sales that have been so for the last two or so years uh, that is that is simply uh, based on the fact that non-electric cars are facing 125 percent purchase tax when you buy them and then you have no ongoing annual road taxes you can drive for free in the carpool lane you get free parking free ferries free this free that if you have an electric car so if you want to incentivize electric cars, you can sell a lot of them. That's really the answer here. Uh, lastly, just want to ask you quickly about uh, Audi's Q5 plug-in hybrid. Uh, it looks like that it's it's getting a lot of attention. Um, this vehicle will have 425 horsepower. Seems an awful lot for a little vehicle. Yeah, I'm a friend who just took delivery of one the first week of uh, March. And uh, this is, of course, Audi's most popular body style in the United States now, made in Mexico, exported everywhere. And uh, putting that as a plug-in hybrid with all the incentives that are available in the various geographies and certain states, such as in California, uh, certainly will make for a uh, pretty good uh, customer proposition, especially if Audi itself is willing to internally subsidize this product as well so that the price premium isn't as high as it could have been in the sort of unsubsidized free market. Absolutely. All right, Anton Wallman, he's an independent analyst and investor. Uh, Anton can uh, be read at the street or at Seeking Alpha. Very insightful uh, news and information about the auto industry and electric cars as well. Uh, you can go read his stuff there. You can, of course, go read all our articles at uh, Our Auto Expert, O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T, OurAutoExpert.com. If you go onto the website, you can also hear previous episodes of this radio show, and you can see my and Mike Cordell's videos from our TV stations around the country. We've been keeping everybody updated with TV segments on what's going on in the automotive industry. Ever wondered what this voice on the radio looks like? Well, you can see all the TV videos at OurAutoExpert.com. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.